I think it was the theologians who first started the idea, later the philosophers took it over, and now some of the scientists are doing the same. What you are comes out in what you do. You see the point? Out of ourselves and into Christ, we must go. This is Chats Under the Sun with Jacob Volk. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Keep going from here. So this the sixth and seventh Harry Potter book. Um, I just finished the fourth one. Yep. Does it get gnarlier? Oh yeah. This book yeah, got it gets gnarly. intense. It gets intense. Yeah, okay. yeah. I would definitely say like after the third one, starting from four to seven, they get more intense, which okay. is in a good way. It was yeah. a little bit of a change, but it's great. No, I love it. Yeah. I'm not sure which book would be my favorite. Actually, could be four, four, or seven. Yeah. Yeah. So I just yeah I just finished the fourth Harry Potter. Fourth one's the longest one. I'm pretty sure. Is it? Okay. Pretty sure. Yeah. Could be the fifth. But I, I'm at that point where it's like, I, I don't know if you have this when you're reading a series. Yeah. But you get to the fourth book and you feel a little bit like, oh no, it's downhill from here. I hope the like next books are longer. No. Only no, because no. it's just time time length. Like yeah, I want right. more yep. material to read. There's always something sad about finishing something because yeah. you're like, oh, there's no more of this left. Yeah. Have you read wow. the um, Percy Jackson series? Yeah. yeah. So those are like, like incredibly charming yep. gripping books even like now I'm 20 plus and I 23 <laughs> right I read them last yep. year and I was like they're so good through the pandemic last year I just plowed through all of them yeah they were so good yeah I I when I first read them when I first got them when I was like I don't know t- like 12 maybe mm-hmm. I read I read them I got the first four and I read them straight the way through yeah grabbed them again read them straight the way through again no way. and then read them straight away through again right I was away. up north I, okay. I didn't have any other books, so yeah, I just yeah. looped them three times oh, over. Sweet. I remember, because I read them all, and then I got... Then there was the next series that came out, The Heroes of Olympus, mm-hmm. which was the next one, which was so good, too. But Nice. Yeah. It's great. Adrian Faber. This is uh, people's first introduction to you is going to be as a Harry Potter fan. Are you yeah, okay with fair. that? Yeah, that's okay. I'm a big Harry Potter fan. Cool. Actually, for the past couple of years, I had an awesome pair of shoes from Vans, mm-hmm. which were Harry Potter shoes, and um, people kind of knew me by it a little bit. Really? Yeah. Awesome. I just had to throw them out, which was sad, but I got a new pair of Vans, so that's great. Nice. You want to pull this mic a little bit closer to your mouth? Just a bit. Beauty. Great. Cool. You do some cool mission stuff. And that's what I wanted to chat with you about. Awesome. And uh, Amy, I was talking with Amy okay. uh, yesterday, I think. I okay. dropped off a sticker. I have stickers, by the way, for anyone who cares. And uh, she was like, I told her I was chatting with you tomorrow. Yeah. And she's like, oh, she, she flipped out. She thought it was really fun. Oh, awesome. So yeah, she, yeah. Uh, she told me to ask you a whole bunch of questions that I have in my back pocket. So. No way. Oh, yeah. shoot. I yeah. hope that they're okay. No, they're great. Right. But um, so you went to Redeemer. Mm-hmm. What did you study there? And did that, like, like walk me through kind of what took you to end up going into missions and what you did yeah. in Nicaragua? Yeah, totally. Because that's, that's always really fun to me is okay. what, what brought someone from, what was that turning point? What brought someone from missions or like, mm-hmm. like not considering missions mm-hmm. to thinking about actually doing missions? Yeah, no, that's a really good question. Um, so I first started going to Redeemer and I started studying psychology there. So I went into my first year wanting to learn more about like human behavior. I love talking to people and having deep conversations and sort of like connecting on maybe like a soul level and understanding humans a lot deeper. So I started studying psychology my first year and I just loved it. And then because of Redeemer as a liberal arts university, I had to take some other courses as well. So that involved some like um, Bible courses, so religion courses, which I also loved. And so as I sort of started to go through this process of learning about psychology, sort of like how humans worked, but then also go through the process at Redeemer of growing deeper in my faith, getting to know God more, understanding how he was working in the city of Hamilton and different people and organizations and stuff. I was sort of thinking about, huh, what's this connection of like the way that humans work and the whole thing of Christianity and the kingdom of God in our lives yeah, and everything, yeah. right? And so then that was really cool as I started to take more um, um, religion courses. Um, so then through my second year was kind of when I also took deeper psychology courses. So I took a social psychology course, which I loved. Um, so then social psychology is a sort of study of an individual and how they interact in a group. So it's focused on an individual, but it's kind of like a, how they interact with the groups around them which is really cool and then also my second year is when i took my first missions course and i just loved it our professor had recently come back from guatemala and was starting up a um 
was starting up a urban mission course program at Redeemer. Um, and so then when I heard about that and I started to take more missions courses, I was like, I kind of have to get involved with this. And so then if you kind of think as like missions as sort of like and mission as understanding sort of like who God is, what he's doing in the world and what it has to kind of do with us, then it kind of then gets deeper when you think of who are humans as well. What's the point of humanity? How do we behave? Why do we do yeah. the things that we do? Yeah. Then that all comes together with um, um, just like ideas about mission, which is really cool, right? Um, so then I think through my second year, as I sort of studied, as I volunteered in the city of Hamilton and kind of like got to know people better and doing Bible studies and um, worship stuff on campus, sort of like this big passion for understanding people on a deeper level and then also getting to know the kingdom of God, what God is doing in the world and how we can kind of be a part of it a little bit more. Um, kind of like this big passion sort of like stirred up in me um, through my second year. So then I decided to enter into a combined honors major between clinical psychology and urban mission, which kind of means that for the rest of my time, I was kind of more focused on both psychology and urban mission. Um, so then my main passion and focus is kind of understanding and pursuing the depth into how we can look at that. And so with psychology, you kind of have understanding people, our brains, why we do what we do, um, both in good ways and in bad ways. But then in mission, you also kind of have an understanding of like, what, who is God? What is he doing in the world? and where we where what's all the purpose of this kind of thing right yeah um which is really cool so then it kind of goes hand in hand if you're trying to think of who am i why do i do what i do um then that fits together with mission in terms of like what is god doing in the world and what is god doing in me um, and so that was my huge passion really so then i started to study that more and more um which then also led to me wanting to become really um ingrained in the city of Hamilton as well. And so then I would start to, vol I, well, I volunteered at 541 Eatery um, in exchange in Hamilton, um, starting in my first year. And I kept doing that weekly up until like my fourth year. Um, and then I also spent a lot of time in Hamilton. You know, I, I commuted for the first two, two years at Redeemer. So I bust a lot. Yeah. Um, and then I would also go downtown and kind of hang around. And since I'm from Hamilton, I kind of knew the area well. And then I just also love being really, um, deeply ingrained in like people with people sort of like on a deep practical level you know like there's a lot of truths that we hear um, and read in the bible um, there's a lot of truths that we kind of talk about with people and it's kind of like it has to be rooted in the practicality of life kind of thing you know mm. and so volunteering and kind of being involved with hamilton and being involved um, with people around me is kind of where I just got so fired up and I just wanted to pursue more about what that looked like. Um, so that's kind of why I did missions and psychology kind of together. And I kind of wanted to pursue that more and more, um, which through studying mission, I also, we heard a lot about theories of culture and understanding culture and what it kind of means for an interaction between um, the culture of the kingdom of God and the culture of the world, right? There's different competing cultures all around um, and competing worldviews and everything that based of who we are, we all come from different perspectives, right? And how we kind of view the world. Um, and so as I learned more about theories of culture and interactions between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the world, um, then I wanted to understand more about different cultures. You know, if, if the Bible and the kingdom of God is something that's rooted in the context that we all come from, right? Our historical context, geographical context, like familial context, like yeah. everything about yeah. who we are, then I want to learn more about what it means to see that from a different perspective, right? So a huge aspect of that is like where you live in the world. And since I grew up in Canada and I lived in Canada, I also understood that, man, God is doing amazing things in different parts of the world, working in different ways than he is here. And if people in different parts of the world and different cultures are doing um, different things and sort of know God in a different way. And if my purpose on the earth is to know God in more and more ways and in different ways, then I want to know God in those different ways as well. Yeah. And so then I was kind of like, man, it would be amazing to travel to a different culture, understand a different culture and go through that process of understanding how people in a different culture might know God. And that might mm. be different than how I grew up. Right. Yeah. But still rooted in the reality of the kingdom of God. 
and it's still God. And so yeah, then I yeah. wanted to kind of pursue that, right? So then there came an opportunity in my fourth year to go on a vision trip to Guatemala with my professor who had, who had been a missionary there for about 25 years, uh, Dr. Herfst. Um, and so he took a group of his students to go to Guatemala for two weeks as sort of like a vision trip to understand and explore the sort of like cultural context that's there and why do why they do what they do and what God's doing there in that specific area. And so it was amazing because then through this process of going to a different country, a different culture, I sort of had this amazing lens into a completely different like style of life, perspectives of life perspectives of God, how people knew God, what God was doing and everything like that in a different system than I had ever known. So this two week sort of this two week vision trip was also a really big um, moment in my life that sort of sparked this passion to continue to pursue what it was like to know God through the eyes of someone other than me. Right. Um, and so then kind of coming out of that, I knew that I wanted to keep pursuing that. Um, and through the summer then after I graduated it was just a summer of exploring different opportunities, trying to get to know people, different mm. organization, different opportunities and everything. And that's what led me to get to know resonate and go to Nicaragua for the year. So yeah. Gnarly. There's a lot there. I yeah. There's a lot. That's cool though. <laughs> yeah. That's so cool that like a lot of this arrived, like arose from your education. Right. You know, that's, I don't mm. know if I hear that that much, but it's, Maybe that's a testament to yeah. to having good teachers and stuff that that came from your school. You know yeah, I mean? definitely. And I think it's really cool because like I know Dr. Herfs and some of the other professors at Redeemer really want to encourage like a holistic view of understanding the world around us and ourselves mm. and stuff. And so not disconnecting like what we learn from the reality of life or from practical things is so important. And I think that they really encourage that. Um, and so like Dr. Herfs, even after graduating, he was like, uh, you know, like we're in a relationship kind of thing. Like I want to help pursue you mm. even after you graduate, like in your life, like we're friends now kind yeah, of thing, yeah. you know? Um, and so I think that they really pursue having like a holistic sort of perspective, which I learned a lot from. And personally, I just have this desire to want to engage what I'm learning in school with sort of my life on a holistic level. And so like volunteering or working or mm. the church that I'm a part of or um, what I'm studying to kind of all be connected and try to like draw them together rather than just kind of have them a little bit separate. Sure. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, shout out to Redeemer. Yeah. For, for good people. I talked to Dave Beldman. A okay. Few, uh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, a month or so ago. Cool. He's a really cool guy. Yeah. I like him very a lot. smart. <laughs> yeah. Um, you have a very good podcast voice. Oh, thank radio, you. Radio voice. Great. So, and also this beer that you got is phenomenal. Yeah. I'm a fan. Shout out to Bone Shaker. Yeah, it's it's good <laughs> stuff. Um, I just had to get those two things out. They're yeah. buzzing around in my head. I need yeah. to get them out. So, psychology. Oh, there's so much good stuff here. I love mm -hmm. like psychology and culture. And when my when you're kind of hearing that, my mind goes to even looking at the biblical authors because that's a little bit more my wheelhouse, and like how situated they are in their cultural context. Mm -hmm. And how much the Bible is like, or, or God in his wisdom was cool with that. Like, no, mm -hmm. we're just going to let who you are as people seep through these words, mm -hmm. seep through this text. And how then as Christians, we have our context. And if you go into another part of the world, they have their cultural context. And exactly like you said, that unified, but then that unified context of like, we're all kingdom people. We're all Christ followers. Mm -hmm. That's so rad. Yeah, it's, and, it's so cool. And I love that you, that you've like chosen to study that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so here's a, here's a question. You, you took the psychology side of things. So we talked a little bit of before about like people like Freud, Jung, and Adler, like okay. different yeah. guys like that, um, which I love, by the yeah. way. I'm a huge... I think all of those guys were brilliant in their own way. How do you, how do you tease out some of the like non-Christian or non-Christ-following aspects of their work with like the I think and, and you think help really helpful things that they said and a Christian mission at the same time do you know what I'm saying mm. yeah I think so I've, I've kind of struggled with that with that to some degree right like I think particularly Jung had some really insightful thoughts but also was he wasn't a Christian right yeah and well even that's like a complicated thing too like well Jung yeah and his <laughs> and his sort of like conversations about like um the different archetypes or real like mm. deep 
psychoanalytic sort of things in his conversations about God and what that sort of represented. I think that it's really interesting, like as a Christian reading and be able to take like some of the theories that they may have made and then to be able to apply it to like a specific worldview as well. Right. And that definitely takes like a lot of discernment. Like people will read Freud and sometimes yeah. like, he's a little crazy, right? But then there's also like recognizing the really great things that he's done and sort of like um, broaden just like psychological understanding and everything that he's mm. done. There's definitely some positive things to take away while critiquing it in a good way. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely to kind of like critique what they write well to kind of like apply it to mm. a specific worldview and understand where they're coming from and to be able to... Um, try to sift through that a little bit yeah i suppose that's also the, just the academic process yeah it's just life to some degree, yeah right? exactly but no it's uh, this is just this is interesting to me because it's a unique it's a unique way of or, or maybe a unique tool set to approach missions with right. that i haven't heard before okay. of like taking like a taking a sociological and psychological lens mm -hmm. and trying to see how to be a better missionary through that right right which is like actually now that I like piece it together and I've mm -hmm. known this from a little bit with talking with you makes perfect mm -hmm. sense. Right. right? Like, so, of course, like one example um, is from Carl Rogers, who one of his principles is um, unconditional positive regard. And so the therapist sort of takes this posture of having unconditional positive regard for the client who might come to see them. And through the process of the therapeutic relationship fosters a, um, a space of healing and so for him he's saying that the relationship of showing someone unconditional positive regard so no matter what they say or what they have done or anything the therapist views them in a positive way and sort of helps them to see themselves in that way as well that he's saying that that is a um, psychologically healing thing to happen mm -hmm. and i think then it's really interesting because then if you sort of apply that to like a like jesus's relationship with us that God has this sort of unconditional positive regard for us and yeah. how like psychologically healing is that for us as well, right? Right. Because to sort of know that we are loved no matter what we've done, where we've come from, who we are, anything, but in our humanity, we are created in a way that God loves us. You know what I mean? And so mm -hmm. that sort of like positive regard that God has for us is psychologically and spiritually healing, yeah. right? So it's kind of cool that just... I think that there's different truths that different um, psychologists have developed over time that then we apply in a sort of like counseling setting, but also works to extend to this like spiritual aspect as well, right? Right. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Um, I, 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 I totally see that. I feel like I'm, I'm hearing people hear that and they might think like, there's also a conversation about sin though. You know what I mean? Um, in the sense of, and obviously this is what like mm -hmm. the psychologists were aiming for is the betterment of people through their flaws yeah. and, and the healing yeah. and uh, at some point a recognition of a person's flaws is like yeah. essential, right? Yeah, because even like unconditional positive regard doesn't necessarily mean that you're denying the bad things that someone did, right? Right, Because you can name and locate and place something as, I don't know, whatever name you want to put it bad or evil or right. not right or something like that but you can still maintain this sort of like positive regard mm. um for someone else and that that process is a psychologically healing thing um then even though god's relationship with us he still sees our flaws he still sees our sins and everything that we've done but yet he loves us yeah you know yeah. and that's just so beautiful and to know that that's never going to change mm -hmm. is amazing you know yeah. and that consistency is really yeah important. and we can trust on that and like even like psychologically in terms of our own mental stability we can trust on a god who who who's created us for that you know totally which is cool yeah totally that's really cool man and so resonate is that is that a crc missions or does crc work with them how does that what's that relationship like? yeah so resonate is a um it's an organization in the canadian reformed churches okay yeah cool oh, it's canadian reformed oh christian reformed sorry gotcha. yeah all yeah. disney right like yeah sorry, to, no, sorry. well because crc <laughs> and it's the same acronym but then yeah yeah like christian reformed cool because um and then what you went to nicaragua mm -hmm. and you dove right into the language 
Yes. So, classic question: How good are you at Spanish? Well, that's it's tough to be able to like locate like <laughs> fluency or something like that because yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's so much more than just being able to like piece a bunch of words together because so totally. much of it is like understanding and so much of it is being able to listen well to be able to think in a different language or mm. something like that right and so it's so hard to be able to place it well but i normally say like i'm learning but i'm pretty comfortable in spanish okay so yeah have you ever dreamt in spanish yeah i have yeah. really yeah. yeah would you yeah. did you have a dream can you share the dream um i can't remember specifically i think okay. it was more just like hanging out with my nicaraguan family <laughs> yeah that kind of stuff gotcha so. Yeah. yeah, I suppose if you did share the dream, it would make no sense because it would be in Spanish. Yeah, so, that's but right. But for the four <laughs> yeah. or five people who might know. Yeah, that's right. And there's been a there's been a whole bunch of them, so. Interesting. Yeah. It is really interesting because I kind of find as though like speaking in one language or working in one language kind of feels like railroad tracks for mm -hmm. me. And so if I'm going to switch railroad tracks, first of all, sometimes it's a little difficult because you got to pull this huge lever in your brain and yep. you kind of got to like ease your way over into the other language for like five to ten minutes or something like that so normally for me it takes like a little bit to like warm up and then really just like eh? get a lot more comfortable in it huh yeah so then but then you can imagine if i spend a full day like an entire day speaking in spanish then i'm still on that railroad um, i'm mean, yeah. still on that track and so then when i sleep i'll just dream like that as yeah. well that makes that makes so, a lot of sense yeah yeah um did you did you know any other languages before you Started Spanish? No. So it, even in like in high school and stuff, I took a little bit of Dutch and I took a little bit of French and that kind of stuff. But everything went out when yeah. I was taking Spanish. But it was really cool. And actually, like, I highly recommend using the language as sort of like a way to enter into sort of like the cultural conversations as you're kind of like getting to know somewhere different. Mm -hmm. And so because it's all together, like language and culture and behavior and the people and history, like everything's sort of like connected into one right like right if, like as i went there and i had a nicaraguan teacher and so she, we i just spent i spent four hours every day with her so four hours for five days a week with her in the mornings just like she would teach me spanish and then um, sometimes we just have good conversations and then, so then she would teach me about the culture and we would talk about um god and the church and we'd talk about mm. history and she just taught me so much about like food and everything like that and so for me that was much bigger of a learning experience than just like understanding the different words and how to piece it together yeah and so yeah. then i think that that also pushes you to learn it better as well because like yeah. in high school if you're taking dutch but you're just sitting or french or whatever and you're just sitting at home and you're like on your computer or something yeah it's really hard to like yeah, actually yeah. learn yeah. a language well yeah but if you do it out of necessity if you're sort of in the country and you're sort of exploring down that avenue it's it's uh a lot easier and a lot better of a way to do it totally and so even like with my spanish teacher i would say to her like hey i really want to go explore a market or something like that and she would say okay let's go and so for a spanish class we would go for a walk take public transit and then she would teach me how much you should be paying for the bus yeah <laughs> how to take the bus how to like ask the driver to get you to stop where you're gonna go like how the whole transit system works how to take taxis where the markets are like how to even navigate yourself within a market like all that kind of stuff as she's teaching me spanish and as she's huh. sort of teaching me like the cultural location there it's a much deeper and richer way yeah. of kind of diving into it and so i think that my experience of sort of just taking the first three months to like have that sort of like yeah. level of getting to know the language but also the culture was like very good yeah so i highly recommend it that's if so you can cool. do it if that's, so if that's available yeah it's, it's it's really good to do i imagine you probably learned so much faster than a textbook back home yeah right yep because before going i didn't know any spanish yeah and uh by december i was conversational within three months and so i was no. pretty happy about what was, that man what were those first couple days like in what in being there yeah for that yeah it was, it was quite overwhelming even in terms of the whole like the whole spanish thing you mean yeah it was always oh, overwhelming and like we went really quickly through the material and so she even um uh, she would be teaching me something and i was still even processing in my head what we learned the last yeah, week yeah. kind of thing um so that was kind of that was definitely tough it was frustrating my brain hurt every single day I started to not enjoy it. It was just brutal to get through kind of thing. But then weeks after, months after, then the sort of stuff that I had learned before started making a little bit more sense as I heard in conversations around me and everything. Okay. 
So I, I wonder, that's so funny because I have had the exact same experience in learning Greek. Okay. Because it was like what I would learn made no sense. Two, three weeks later makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. And then everything I, pretty much everything I actively learned in Greek yeah. was was like, I was like, eh, sure. Yep. Let's go with that. Yep. But then like I, my actual like understanding comprehension trailed about two or three weeks behind me. Yeah. And then totally. I'd look back on stuff and be like, oh no, that's cool i get that now yes oh exactly i yeah that's so funny yeah but the culture like i i can only think of a couple things that really helped me with with greek in that way too Mm -hmm. because i had a really competent greek professor cool so one of the things he would say he'd you know he would just help us immerse us in different cultural elements of ancient um, athens and stuff cool to learn the language better yeah so there'd be weird verbs with sight that would make no sense. And then he'd be like, you have to understand how the Greeks saw sight. They like, and I think this is right. Hopefully some <laughs> person won't correct me on this or will actually. But like they saw sight as something coming from them mm. into your eyeballs, mm. which cool. is like, I guess makes sense. Like we would technically say the same thing, light refracts and from right. them. But yeah. they had that so hard that all their verbs were built around that. Okay, cool. So it kind of makes it weird. Like, saw, this thing came from the site from them to me. And you're like, mm-hmm. why is it that way? But then if you understand how they culturally saw seeing as, mm-hmm. it, the language then makes a lot more sense. Yeah. No, that's really cool. Little, just little things like that. He he was a great professor. Um, and he would just throw into throw in things yeah. like that. And it's interesting because then even understanding how language is something that um, shapes your perspective of the world and how you understand how things mm-hmm. in the world work is such like a fundamental aspect of our own perspectives and yeah. our own psyches and everything like that, right? And so thinking of a different culture and how different people see things and how their own brains work and how they know God, mm. like it's just so different, right? But yeah. amazing. Even this is this is so strange. So English doesn't have a plural you, right? Like you and you guys, right, right, are, right. are the same. Um, you know, maybe Texans are the best with y'all, y'all, but, yeah. which I say all the time now right. because precision. Um, but I, I, I wonder how much that just little grammatical fact about English has um, influenced our tend to be individualistic nature mm-hmm. of North America or or European, whatever. Uh, purely because the fact that you read your Bible as if it's talking to you when it might be talking to the church. Yeah. Because it just says you. Interesting. Right? Greek is really clear on that difference, but if you just translate to a you general. Yeah. Interesting. Definitely. And if that's not something specified or not something drawn out, then that kind of works, sits way into like how you view yeah. things and how you understand and how you read it yourself yeah. too. Yeah. It's an interesting thought. I don't know, but it'd be interesting to, to kind of to suss that out a little yeah. bit, right? No, that's cool. Cool. Yeah. So um, what was your, what was your day to day life like in, in Nicaragua? Oh, missionally yeah. too, like. Yeah, and so I was, um, so I was a volunteer with the Nehemiah Center, mm-hmm. which is in Managua. It's in the capital, um, and they're sort of there to serve local congregations with whatever sort of things that they might need. So that might be like um, courses for pastors to be able to take um, on like preaching or different theology things or support for how to encourage like. Um, better involvement with our community or how to how to work with finances better anything really um with different pastors there or it could also be support for those local churches to be able to help them with whatever they might need and so they worked with about 200 different churches around nicaragua oh wow yeah and then and some of them a little bit more commonly like in the capital city they would work with there Um, but it was a really cool way to sort of be connected to a lot of different churches and kind of see how all the different churches were interconnected with Mm. each other. Like all the pastors knew each other, they interacted with each other and there were these sort of courses that everyone could kind of come into and share some space together. Different pastors in the city who are all working towards like a same goal and know each other and can kind of support and work with each other a little bit, which is a pretty cool model for sort of encouraging like church unity, right? Mm. Um, between different denominations as well between different um yeah people groups yeah. statuses and all that kind of stuff what, uh, what denominations do they have down there um and yeah lots of lots of different ones so baptist pentecostal um, a lot of catholic ones um 
yeah kind of your classic pretty, flavors some of your classic flavors yeah <laughs> there weren't any um christian reformed or canadian reformed though. okay yeah our, <laughs> but that's okay that's totally particular fine. niche flavors they didn't yeah. have <laughs> the church that i was a part of um for a year it was it was about um it was kind of came from a baptist but it was sort of non-denominational church as well right but, so that was that was that was a place that I kind of had my internship at, um, but then my internship was focused on their trauma healing program, and so sort of following um, uh, a crisis that was sort of there in 2018, um, the Nehemiah Center wanted to develop um, trauma healing conversations and how to sort of develop talking about those difficult things and um, and develop that. So they they then brought in this project. Um, and wanted to teach local people to be facilitators of trauma healing circles. Mm -hmm. So it was sort of like group therapy conversations around um, our hurt. What does God say about evil? How can we bring our pain and our hurt to Jesus? And how does he heal us from that? And how can we sort of share that together as a community? Mm -hmm. um, but what they kind of found as well is that not only did people talk about the crisis that was happening in 2018, but they talked about their whole lives, all the different traumas and all the different pains yeah. and everything in their lives that were sort of then brought up due to different situations that they might've been going through. So then they want to develop this program more and more as this trauma healing program. And so since I studied psychology and I wanted to learn more about um, the sort of um, way that mental health um, programs and projects work within um, churches or mission organizations and I was like this is an amazing place to sort of study that be a part of it and sort of learn more through it and so then I went with a sort of focus to understand that and to be able to serve with that um, project with the Nehemiah Center so for the first bunch of months um, so this is then starting in January because I had taken my three months of Spanish kind of gotten centered a little bit and then so then in the first months from January until March or so I spent time attending some of these groups getting to read and understand the material, kind of become um, literate in the material, get to know the people in the area, get to know the different pastors. So I would go along with some of the um, people from the Nehemiah Center to visit the local pastors and then to just share in those conversations and kind of be around. Um, but then since COVID kind of came up in mid-March, um, a lot of those plans kind of went to the wayside. So I didn't actually really get to participate as a facilitator of these groups myself. Um, since mid to end March, I got an email from someone saying, hey, Adrian, we're putting all of our programs on pause. We don't know when they'll start again. And we don't know what anything will look like on the other side of this. And I was like, what do I do? Like, Lord, like you... Yeah. Like I came here to study and learn and to grow and like educate myself and go down and have all these cool experiences. And then this happened. Like, why? Like, why am I here? Am I supposed to stay here? Am I supposed to go mm. back to Canada? Like, what is going on? And so there was a couple of weeks of just really hard decision making of like, do I stay? Do I go home? Like, what do I do? Yep. And so one of the big things that I wanted to do was then learn how to see God and know God through the different perspective, right? Through a different culture. Right. And sort of like thinking about, um, thinking about going through something with other people is a really deep experience and you can really get to know people through disasters and sort of be like practice presence with, you yeah, know, that sort yeah. of idea of practicing presence with, um, as being really important. So I decided to stay, and sort of just see whatever would happen would happen kind of thing. Um, and so then a little bit of my work focused more online, uh, just being a part of some Bible study groups and um, a little bit of tutoring with some local high school students, um, participating in devotionals and everything like that. Um, but then in July and August is when the Nehemiah Center started up their church and coronavirus project. And so that was sort of had three different sections to it. One was um, helping with anxiety and sort of conversations around anxiety that people might have been having through the pandemic. Another one was um, finances. And since this was such a hard time economically as well, this was sort of like a course in talking about how to use your finances well and plan well for the future because who knows what's happening. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then the other part was helping each church form a protocol against COVID because in Nicaragua there was not any direction from the government in terms of a protocol plan or anything like that um, for different churches to follow. Right, right. And so each um, each church, each organization, everyone sort of had to like come up with a plan for themselves um, to see how things would go. So there was these were the three different sections of this program. 
Um, so then I, I helped out being a facilitator for some of those different groups. It was all online still, but at least we were a little bit more connected and grounded with some of the pastors and people around. So that was really cool. And I had the opportunity to do that for a couple of months. And then um, in November, there was a couple of really serious hurricanes which came to Nicaragua. Um, and so they, there were two like category five hurricanes which touched down under two weeks from each other in like exactly the same spot on the East Oof. Coast. So there was a lot of damage there. And so then we traveled to the East Coast and sort of brought back a little bit of the conversation around um, trauma healing. And so then we practice this of um, thinking of it a little bit as like spiritual and emotional disaster relief, which okay. I think is a really cool idea as well. And normally thinking of disaster relief, we think of like physical needs, you know, like repairing houses or food, shelter, some of those basic things, which mm. absolutely are the basic things. Yeah. Um, but if you also think, is there a place for a spiritual and emotional disaster relief as people are sort of going through some of these really difficult situations, oh, yeah. who's there asking them how they're doing? And so even when we went to some of these communities where the worst damage had been done, we didn't bring anything in our hands, but we would go up and say like, how are you doing? What was this like? Like, what is happening? Like, yeah. how are you? Kind of thing, anything, right? And they were so amazed and they were just like, man, like so many people have come and brought us things, but no one's asked me how I'm doing. Right. And to go through such a huge disaster, to go through something so difficult and then to not sort of have that, I don't know, support is yeah. really difficult, right? And then if you think of like um, um, trauma, if you think of um, emotional and spiritual sort of what's happening through a disaster, I think that there's definitely a place to sort of develop this idea of emotional, spiritual disaster relief. Totally. Which is really cool. And so I think that I learned a lot about that. There were some very humbling experiences and some really... Um, cool things that I take that I'll take with me for a long time from that experience as well. Mm -hmm. um, but that was, that was really cool. And then after that, that was already in November. And so then I spent some more time um, back in the capital with, um, with the Nehemiah center and the things kind of wrapped up end, around, end of November and stuff. And then I came home end of December. Nice. Do you plan to go back? Is that kind of in the, in the cards or no? Um, in some capacity. Yes. Okay. I do plan to go back. Yeah. But who knows how or when and yeah. in what capacity. Sure. So, yeah. Nice. Are you finding, uh, that's awesome, by the way. Like that's, that's a lot of traveling and a lot yeah. of stuff happening. Do you recommend people do stuff like this? Take absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think that the experience of being able to see the world in a different way than what you grew up in is extremely valuable. Mm. Um, being able to, uh, recognize that people live different ways, different cultures, different experiences, and sort of learning yourself to see the world in those ways as well yeah. grows you as a person um, in some incredibly valuable ways. So I highly recommend it if that is something that you are able to do. You know, I think that I also have the personality that I love to experience and di dive deeply into those kind of things. And so for me, it was it was really great and I do highly recommend it. But at the same time, like you don't have to do that as well. Right. Yeah. I as do a, wish that I had done it sooner. Yeah. How old yeah. are you? I'm 24 now. I just okay. turned 24. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. You're not super old. No. I mean, I'm the same age. So. No, I know. <laughs> but I no, still I think of myself as young. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of funny because um, I traveled. Uh, we were privileged enough to do a little a loop around the world in my grade 12 year. And I obviously am so grateful for that. Like we visited Holland. Uh, Singapore, Australia, wow. New Zealand for a couple months cool. in all, right? Super fun, super fun trip. Yeah, but obviously my parents were, you know, doing balancing a lot of different things. But for me, it was just a bit too young, right? Seventeen wasn't quite old enough okay. to really, yeah, try that and appreciate what my mom and dad were giving me as like this insane cross cultural gift. Yeah, that's so right. So maybe in two years after that, I would have been like, you know, milk that for all it's mm -hmm. worth, just for the learning and the experience. Totally. But, I think that that's definitely that's definitely true and maybe that might speak a little bit to how those sort of experiences are set up and even like guided mm. um, and so if we sort of had in place some direction for people who might be 17 or 18 going into that kind of mm. thing to get into the right um, program the right trip the right leaders yeah who might be able to like foster that um, spiritual and emotional and personal growth that they might get from that kind of experience yeah. whereas if you're not sort of guided well in it, then it'd yeah. be really hard to do that. 
For sure. Yeah. And you need that maybe at 17. Like when you're 21 or whatever, at least if your head's screwed on straight, you can like fight to pull as much out of the culture, mm-hmm. like learning-wise as mm-hmm. you can and know how to ask good questions. Mm-hmm. I don't know if 17-year-old me was really there, you know? Even 21-year-old me, I definitely <laughs> needed a lot of help in learning how to be able to even place my locate myself in how I viewed things. Right. Yeah. Nice. And then... Yeah. So, what what was it like coming back then? Kind of. Yeah. It was it was pretty difficult. Yeah. Um, and it's really interesting because coming back during COVID is mm. also really weird because I would see some of my friends and um, I think, oh, I haven't seen you in so long. Have you seen so and so? Like asking about other friends, and they would say, no, I haven't seen them in a year either. Yeah. It's like true. Like none of us have seen any of us in so long. Right. Sure. Like even some of my, my family as well, they hadn't seen each other in a really long time. Huh. And so for me to come back also in that is, I think it's pretty unique in terms of like coming back from a cross-cultural experience, like from moving abroad for a little bit. I think that I had a unique experience with that, but it was also really tough because I had gone through something that no one here really knew about mm. and I didn't really know what was happening here. Um, also, there was this whole other side of me that had just opened up, you know, this whole um, side of me that would that had spent a year in Nicaragua and experienced so many different things. And what was I kind of going to do with myself? Because mm. you kind of think of going back, but you're not the same. And the back that you're going to isn't the same either. It's yeah. like a new thing. You are a new person and the place that you're returning to mm. is also changed from what it was before. And so I think that that temptation to kind of think, yeah, I'm going back is kind of a trap to push you into thinking, into thinking how you did before. And it's, it's a harder challenge because you have Mm -hmm. to learn how to incorporate the new you into the new sort of reality that you're returning to. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Totally. So it's a little bit, it's pretty hard to be able to then sort of place yourself back into that place that you left. Um, I think that's yeah. that's also true for people like if if god's worked really well like really powerfully in your life for a period of mm-hmm. time and often at least in my experience and, and people i've friends with i've talked to they sometimes remove themselves from certain friend groups for a while right and you maybe go out you try and work hard and you change and you mm-hmm. you learn and you grow and then you mm-hmm. go back to some of those friend groups and then you get that jolt where it's like ooh, uh, there's expectations for me to be a certain way and there's a lot of easy way to slip back into those mm-hmm. certain patterns. I don't want to, but mm-hmm. now you're fighting kind of like a double uphill battle. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Against the expectations of former friend groups. And then also your natural inclination to maybe slip back to a, a worse version of yourself. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I'm not definitely. saying that's exactly what, no. what's going on for you, but no, that's true. It's definitely important to recognize that you yourself are a different person and the places that you're coming back to are different Mm. and just giving yourself some space to be able to recognize that this is going to be a whole new thing and to work hard to be, um, to be authentic to yourself in terms of like how you've changed and how you've grown and to recognize that Jesus is already there. Yeah. Totally. Like, yeah. So have you found, um, have you found like really cool ways to, to help people with um, with Spanish in in Hamilton? I thought I said Toronto for a second. Yeah. I'm not in Toronto. Like, have you been able to use uh, your language? Yeah, a little bit. And and so there's actually a really cool group of, there's, a, there's actually a pretty big community of Latinos in Hamilton. Awesome. And so there, it takes a little bit of, like, searching to be able to get into that and to try to get into it. <laughs> Just so, like, hey, I'm a white dude. I can actually relate though. Yeah. Yeah. On some level, you know, I can. And it was interesting because in some of the weeks that I was back, I just kind of found meeting more and more people out and about who were Spanish speakers. And so then I would just try to speak Spanish with them as much as possible. Um, But then some people that I was connected to, like through my church or um, through one of my friends, Tyler Bauman, um, Mm. he introduced me to some people. Um, we went sledding together and there was a group of Latino people who were sledding there. And then at one point I was talking to a lady from Venezuela there and I was just saying, oh, I'd love to keep exploring new like um, foods from Latin America. Like, I don't know too many places in Hamilton. Like, do you know any? And she said, well, there's actually a Facebook page, which is like a um, network of Latinos in Hamilton. Yeah. 
And I was like, no way, like get me in this Facebook page. <laughs> thing. Um, and so I joined this Facebook page and just saw that there, there was actually a lot of people like reaching out and asking for help okay. with different things. And I thought, what an amazing sort of space to be able to yeah. get to know people and help out and also take advantage a little bit and practice my Spanish with them. Yeah. Um, and so that was really cool. And um, I've also had an opportunity to be able to translate a little bit with some different meetings at church um, and get to know some some really cool people and help out with with whatever people might need. Like the other day I was calling around asking for some apartment buildings that might be available for mm. one of my friends that I know who's looking around. Or um, the other day too, I went to go play soccer as well with a group of Latino people who play on the West Mountain. Um, they play soccer every week and they've been doing it for three years together. Yeah. And they so welcoming, so inviting. They just say anyone can come and play. Yeah. And I was like, amazing. I'll come and play soccer and I'll also take advantage to practice my Spanish a little bit. Yeah. And so it takes a little bit of that um, looking and putting yourself out there and sort of like searching for it. But there's a lot of examples. And so I'm pretty excited about that. And I kind of want to pursue that a little mm. bit too and grow yeah. in that as well. I love um, stuff like this because... It's like little, clever, creative, thoughtful strands of the kingdom that kind of weave in and mm-hmm. around. Like there's ways for us to be blessings to people that aren't obvious, right? And they take a bit of, they take some communication, some mm-hmm. digging and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, a Facebook group for like asking about, uh, about getting more food to finding a Facebook group to finding a way for you to, ha- to like bless some people. Yeah. That's dope. That's super yeah. cool. And it's really cool. I, I feel as though often we can take on the sort of like savior complex idea to mm. want to like be the ones to come up with these cool ideas and new initiatives for the churches and a great plan and project and new idea for everything and etc. Right. When in reality we just forget to actually talk to our neighbor. Yeah. Like, Really, what this came from, too, was just like, I want to go try and explore new cultures and new types of food. This person will know. I want to go ask that person. Yeah. And then they, too, say to me, there's another person that I was talking to when we went sledding this one time. Um, and I said, oh, I've actually never been to Mexico and I never had authentic Mexican tacos. And they were like, no way. Like, come to my house and I'll make you tacos kind of thing. And I was like awesome let's do it right and so i think sometimes we can kind of overthink a little bit we can have a little bit of a big head in ourselves Mm. um and kind of forget the fact that it's more about just like being present and um being invited into the different relationships and just having the awareness and desire to lean into that a little bit about um just like inclusion and togetherness and uh, being invited into that uh, which i think is really cool and then obviously right it's god who uses us with the different gifts that we have and the different desires that we have like in a really deep and authentic way to build his kingdom Mm. because if i have this desire to want to improve my spanish and get to know about cultures in latin america god's going to use that in cool ways in hamilton to be able to um to be able to invite people closer to him yeah and me as well, right? Like I'm transformed by that as well. And he's been doing amazing things in me and I'm transformed by these people that I'm talking to as well in some really cool ways. So yeah, it's really cool. I dig it. I dig it a lot. Um, so what, what, uh, what church do you go to now or quasi go to these days? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm a part of uh, mercy Christian church, okay. which is in the, east north end of hamilton yeah which kind of came out from blessings christian church which mm-hmm. was a um, church plant like sort of on lock street um uh, from the canadian reformed churches yeah. and so pastor ian wildeboer um was the one he's the pastor of this church and he planted it kind of coming out of blessings and he was a missionary in papua new guinea for a number of years um and then i remembered when this initiative was first happening I went to Pastor Ian and I was like, this is amazing. I want to learn from you and I want to be involved with this. And so I had the opportunity to help out um, and actually intern for him for this church plant a couple of years ago as part of my missions um, program at Redeemer. So I interned with Pastor Ian and he taught me and I was kind of involved with the church plant in the early stages. And then I went away for a while and they were my home church, um, which was great. And then um, I came back and they're they've been around for a little bit now and I'm involved and, uh, it's really cool. cool. Yeah. So then they, um, yeah. Look, what kind of support did they give you? 
not even not financially. I don't even mm-hmm. know how relevant that is. But like, I guess were they involved in sort of like the sending process of you, and did they support you, like keep in contact with you, like while you were there and stuff? Yeah, so they definitely supported me in going, um, sort of as a um, as a home church for me to be able to go with um, the CRC organization. Resonate. Okay. They were fully supportive of that, and they That's were awesome. excited for me, and um, they um, were sort of yeah. They were my home church um, through that process. Um, and then while I was there, um, Pastor Ian called me a bunch of times and we video chatted a bunch to just That's so good. talk about stuff and yeah. keep updated with things a little bit. And then I'm, there's a couple times that I, I think that I called in with a couple meetings that were going on there and I was still mm. part of my small group. Um, so I wrote a little bit back and forth with them through it. Um, it was definitely hard just in terms of like such a different experience that we were kind of having. Yeah. Um, and there's definitely a distance scene that I kind of had with um, my small group through that. But they were always there. Um, and if I ever needed anything, they were always there as well. That's so, so cool. Yeah, they were, they were great. That's really important too, like to have your local church supporting you for things like that. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's some like level of like trepidation that I have going mm-hmm. to Southern okay is like to some degree i have to leave my church mm-hmm. you know what i mean even just theologically which is a bit of a, a bummer uh, from my point of view mm-hmm. so it's kind of i don't know that's something i've got to navigate i guess finding another church down there yeah too, like that whole thing yeah that's definitely <clears throat> that's definitely difficult um to sort of like step out into communities that we don't really have like a good tethering mm. point to yeah and to kind of understand that the places that i'm going i'm going to be sort of relying them for my own mental and spiritual health on yeah. some level yeah um but yet you know nothing about it there's definitely some fear in that totally um but i think that it's also cool recognizing like the global aspect of the church right yeah and that god is doing amazing things through churches all around the world amazing things through cultures all around the world and i think sort of like pressing into recognizing and understanding that difference between people you yourself are also transformed by entering into that experience because like for me to go to nicaragua and go to a church and a community and a language that was just so different than anything that i yeah. ever experienced but yet i was sort of relying on them for my own yeah. health there's a lot of fear in that and you can also become homesick right you can also yeah. just think man this is so difficult this is yeah, which is so real and definitely hits in some weird ways. Um, but I think too, like leaning into some of the, those differences and pushing through and not trying to remove yourself, but also, but actually like pursuing that sort of difference and pursuing God through that experience grows you in some amazing yeah. ways that you never would have expected, but is absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's sort of like pressing into that, um, is a good thing to do, but good really advice. Scary. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm taking notes because. Yeah. I'm gonna have to live a lot of this stuff in a f- couple months, yeah. but also I'm going to an English-speaking place, so I'm not. Yeah. I'm not comparing yeah. those two. I got it. I got a little bit easier. Too. Right. Right. But. But also a different culture, also a different sort Americans. of like context, also a different sort of like yeah. place of being. Right. There's gonna, gonna definitely be different things. Gonna have to learn how to pronounce Louisville properly. Yeah, that's going to be a huge cultural barrier. How is it supposed to be pronounced? You know what? So Ian Corson <laughs> keeps getting mad at me about this. Um, I think it's Ian. I forget. Shout out. I think they make fun of that a lot. Like I, when we went down there, there was like um, their tourist destination had like Louisville written all around the building, but different spelling of it. Okay. So I think it's a bit of a joke in the okay. city that's like Louisville or Louisville mm-hmm. or uh, there's a whole bunch of different ways to say it. So I think they've yeah. kind of embraced it as a, as a city. Yeah. And no one's going to know how to say their name properly. Yeah. 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 Get ready for people to make fun of your accent. Oh too. yeah. Being Canadian. Well, yeah. I'll, I'm going to turn on them and say that I'm not Canadian. I'm actually Kiwi. And then uh, they're not going to know what to do. That's going to be fun. You're going to have to then only speak with that accent <laughs> like for the whole time that you're there. <laughs> or just alternate between people. Like, it's kind yeah. of try and keep a straight in my mind who I'll do a fake Kiwi accent versus yeah. a fake uh, Canadian. Well, not fake. My accent's pretty <laughs> Canadian, but... Yeah. No, that'd be no, fun. funny. So what's... Uh, what's Where do you go from here for you? Right? Yeah, so... I mean, fake question. We yeah. already talked about where you might be going to school, but... Yeah, so... Well, just I think in general, it's worth saying that sort of pursuing the whole subject of mental health and understanding sort of mm. from a psychological perspective what it means to be involved in 
mission in the world, I think is definitely something that I'm called to and want to pursue as well. Um, Where I'm at right now, I definitely feel as though I need life experience and I need training and I need understanding and I need some more networking and just valuable life experience of still personal growth that I'll be able to have to then then step into a role that might be like that. And so I want to pursue some new experiences, some more schooling and everything like that to be able to um, to be able to grow in that way. And so I want to go back to school. I also miss school. I, do. <laughs> I, I honestly do miss yeah, school. Eh? So are you a bit of a nerd? Little bit. A little bit. I think it's both in me, the, the nerd aspect and not nerd aspect. But um, so I'd love to go back to school. And so right now I'm still in the process of finalizing and just deciding between master's programs that I've cool. already been accepted to but I'm still deciding between which one right. that I'll end up going to. And then through that process, um, I also plan to live, work, volunteer, and study in the same city that I'll be in, yeah. um, which has not been decided yet. Gotcha. That's super exciting. Yeah, I'm really excited about yeah. it. I mean, you are in, this, in the same place here, like going to going master's, going to get immersed in like subjects that we love, right? Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. And so sort of pursuing that, that subject of mental health, and psychological perspectives and sort of mission and the churches and mm-hmm. potentially NGOs and everything like that is it's awesome. So yeah. I'm excited for that. Nice. Mm. So what what do you what would you say to people who might want to kind of go down your path, right? If someone's listening to this mm-hmm. and they're kind of they're really resonating with mm-hmm. some of the things you're saying, um, especially I feel like the mental health thing, right? Because mm-hmm. I know that's for some people, huge, a huge part of their life, huge struggle, mm-hmm. um, huge journey. And so, and they're also Christians, right? So mm-hmm. for a lot of people that's played together so yeah. important in their life and then them wanting to reach other people with that. And then you're throwing the whole other like cross-cultural missions right. angle into that, which is a whole other right. flavor of ice cream. What do you, um, where does someone start kind mm-hmm. of going down those, that area? I think one thing, one aspect that I might kind of take would be pursue asking questions mm-hmm. like think deeply about the questions that you're asking and pursue what the answer might be okay and so for example like for me one of the big questions was like how is god working in other cultures around the world right and yeah. sort of like asking that question and not coming too quickly to an answer with it sort of like leads you down a path of discovery and a path of opportunity that you can kind of like lean into discovering the answer for um, in some really cool ways. So both like learning how to ask beautiful questions, asking them well to people around you and not being afraid to like lean into the opportunities that sort of jump from it. Yeah. And so even like in churches, I think that a lot of young people grow up with different question of like, why are we doing this? Or like, why does it happen this way? Huge. What are we doing? What am I supposed to do? Like all those deep questions. Right. Mm. And I'd say, don't be afraid to like lean into asking specific people about what those might be. And then the opportunities that kind of come up from that for me, like your desires, like take a step forward and just dive into doing something. Yeah. Because, um, like you, years from now you won't be a different person than the person that you are now right and so maybe for a younger person listening who might be thinking about taking an opportunity or not like you're gonna do it yeah (laughs) you gotta go for it yeah yeah and so um yeah don't be afraid because sometimes you can't sometimes we want to hold on to like past realities that are no longer possible for us to hold on to. Mm-hmm. We have to learn how to like let go, but also like lean into the sort of discomfort about where yeah. beautiful questions might ask us. Yeah. And <clears throat> I wish we had more conversations about this to sort of the, the grade 12 mm-hmm. type people, right? right? In the sense of like, I don't know, probably what you did didn't make the most financial sense. Right. I don't know if you propped up your future, right? You didn't go straight to your, whatever it is. Right. (laughs) Yeah. But it's like you gained so much perspective. I think your, your mental, uh, your mental toolkit, your perspective Mm -hmm. toolkit, your whatever, all these, these Mm -hmm. ways that you can see the world and see people Mm -hmm. and probably understand the Bible and a whole bunch of other Mm -hmm. things. I'm hearing from you that those really grew for you over, Mm -hmm. over this year. Totally. Probably in other things too. Yeah. And I wish we put I wish we put more emphasis on that in our in 
our cultures and our churches, right? Like go waste quote unquote a year. Yeah. Two years. You yeah. know, maybe maybe go so far as to waste your life for Christ, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know to, what you mean. To definitely yeah, not yeah. use the right words. Yeah, to kind of like the point, flip right? the sort of like value that you're putting on things. Yeah. Like what is it that you're valuing and like how are you going to spend your time? Mm-hmm. Because maybe spending one year in a specific context might be a lot more valuable than just spending that, Yeah, I don't know, focusing on finances or yeah. something like that, right? And, and it's hard because it's less tangible, right? Yeah. Like yeah. You, can't, you can't take the year that you put to the bank in a sense, right? And so, but yet there's so much value in... in Taking that time to serve, mm-hmm. taking that time to And help I know that the year that I've spent has changed me forever, right? Right. Like, that's the thing, too. Like, my life is now on a different trajectory than it was on before. Yep. And that's a lifelong thing, you yeah. know? Like, that's pretty amazing. And so, definitely, like, lean into that, which is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'd also say that... Um, um, leaning forward into community and into relationship with people around us that might just be a given that that's a valuable thing to do mm. but i think that maybe on a next step both for younger people who are thinking about something like dm someone on instagram just ask them why they're doing what they do or yeah. what people who they might know right because one of those people who might respond to you on instagram might just have a great opportunity it might have some great connection for you to lean into mm-hmm. so don't be afraid to just dm someone on instagram or message them on facebook yeah. or just some sort of connection to make because that like little fear of sending a message might change your life yeah you know yeah and then another thing as well i think for um sort of like mentorship relationships like people who might be a little bit older to be able to speak into young people's lives huge like do it yeah like tell people that they're valuable tell people that they are smart and good and that you're excited to know them and everything like Mm. also in this past year i've been so blessed to have some really cool mentors in my life who just tell me that they enjoy talking to me and tell me that they're excited about what i'm doing and who i am and for me that's that's so transformational because it makes me feel more confident in who I am and what I'm doing. And the people who are old, like Isn't literally it? it's just like, Oh, I'm so happy that I got to talk to you or, Oh, I'm so excited to talk to yeah. you. Or people just asking me questions about how I'm doing or something like that. Like that changes my life as well as a young person, you know? And so for people who are in those sort of like people who are older than me, who might speak to me, but also for myself speaking to younger people, right. It goes down the chain. Yeah. Like, do it like let's let's push in kind of relationally with each other to be able to like lean into that kind of stuff because not doing it we we sacrifice too much by not doing it yeah and it can change lives you know that kind of thing yeah because we are the agents you know we're the tools and the instruments of the kingdom of god to do amazing things so it's like let's lean into that and go for it dude that encouragement thing is so huge like i've same i've i've been like so privileged to have people who are older and wiser than me that i respect like give a steady over the years stream of encouragement yeah i wouldn't do jack schnitzel like at least half the stuff i've done if it wasn't for people who actually believed in me yeah right like this podcast would not i would not never have done something like this if it wasn't just for older people who i like who like i just i like love and think the world of who are just been like i think you do good things keep doing good things it's really small that's all it is (laughs) And which should be a good lesson because I don't think I dish out those encouragements yeah. to people younger than me as much as I should. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I w- want to do that more because, you know, we know what that's like getting it from some 50-year-old yeah. guy who we respect. Yeah. I imagine it'd be also really cool for some 16-year-old kid to hear us be like, hey, keep going, man. You're yeah. doing good stuff. Yeah, totally. I hope so, right? It's awesome. Yeah. What do you think, Adrian? Love it. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm very, I'm a very optimistic person. Yeah, and I'm also just excited for the future. What it could bring. There's so many different possibilities, yeah. and so I think now I'm just excited. I, so. I see. I wish I had more perspective. Just like literally, just wish I had more eyes in the world and yeah, more stuff. Sure. But from what I've seen, from sort of our our you know reformedish communities around here, a lot of really cool people and a lot of really godly men in particular from just my perspective that Mm. i've seen who are taking their faith seriously and want to like do stuff they want to get out there they want to boots on the ground and actually make a change and that's cool i'm excited by that right yeah i i would say for me as well like 
I would say both men and women for okay. myself and some awesome. of like the friendships and people I've been able to listen to. I think even like some, some people like just graduating high school, even like mm-hmm. some girls that I heard talking or just like was in some conversations with just super fired up and ready to go and do whatever. And I think kind of all around, I'm just excited about some of the younger people growing up. Yeah. Um, it's really great. We say younger people being 23. I know. I but know. like, I, I get it, right? Well, that's well, the thing. Like, but also high school yeah. was like, what, six, seven years ago? Yeah. Like that. It's all so. relative, right? Like yeah. sometimes I'm an older person. Sometimes <laughs> I still feel like a baby. Most times I still feel like I'm really young. Honestly, yeah. I do. But yeah, no, I'm excited. Cool. Unless you have any other, if you have any other thoughts on the topic, feel free to throw a whole curve on this conversation or we could wrap it up here no i'm good yeah i'm good yeah dude Love i'm it. so stoked i got to talk to you about thank you so stuff. much for having me this really awesome. enjoyed this. yeah I- thank you for listening to this podcast's conversation i really appreciate it if you enjoyed it consider subscribing and sharing and all that jazz it's immensely helpful i'm all about having meaningful interesting conversations so if you know of someone i should talk to hit me up on instagram at it's the Volk. Have a good one, guys.